Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset, inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. Guys, we've all seen and probably responded to those hyped up adverts um, really pointed towards men and their need to be attractive to the opposite sex. So we're talking about rock hard abs, get shredded abs, six pack abs ready for the beach, whatever it is. There's been tons of them. There will always be tons of them. And lots of money will be spent in the pursuit of those rock hard abs. So today's discussion is really going to break that down a little bit for you. The first part of the chat will be around talking through those common misconceptions or instinctive actions that people typically take when they're on that pursuit of building their abs. And then the second part of the discussion is focused on the key tenants, the real priorities that you need to think about in developing a strong, sexy core and set of abs. And we're going to be talking about diet, leanness. We're going to be talking about lighting, bronzing, angles, post-production that you see on Instagram. Uh, so don't be fooled. We talk about posture, bloating. We talk about how to get 3D brick-like abs beyond diet. It's progressive overload. Um, we create a distinction between what core is and the associated muscles and exercises as well as what the abs are and how exercise selection does vary and then lastly we talk about the use and the significance of leveraging heavy compound lifting to get the biggest bang for your buck in developing a strong and sexy core but before we get started Bryn just declared to me he is buying himself a puppy They've just got married. They now want their first baby. <laughs> so we talk about having dogs and our experiences as kids growing up with dogs. And that lasts about 15 minutes. And then we get straight into the rock hard abs discussion. I hope you enjoy. Adaptation. A puppy. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, I've, I've grown up with dogs all my life, so I'm... I'm used to having dogs, but then the last sort of three years since I've been living with Lisa, I've not had a dog. Um, and I've actually missed having a dog. But the plan has always been to get one because we um, used to have a tenant in downstairs. Um, that meant we didn't have access to our garden in our house. And um, we used to look after uh, Lisa's sister's dog. Yeah, I remember you doing that. And it's just a pain in the ass because when we don't have the garden, like every time it needs a wee, you've got to put the lead on, put your jacket on, go outside. And, and take it out whereas now we have a garden so as soon as our tenant moved out and we had the garden we're like right we're getting a puppy um <laughs> so we're looking at getting a welsh terrier do you know that breed yes it, uh, well i know the little terriers generally do you remember small, smaller dog is it like the dog that you used to look after no, that no. was oh we got we used to look after my mum's Jack Russell, right. brilliant dog, and then we uh, Lisa's sister, which was um, her dog was a Dash Hound, yeah, um, little beautiful. sausage dog, yeah, love those. Um, and um, the dog that we're getting is like a mini, a mini version of an Airedale, and I don't know if you remember, was it John Wayne that used to have a dog mm -hmm. called Duke? 
Mm-hmm. And I think that was an Airedale, and it's basically a smaller version of that. All right. uh, I think they're just a little, uh, a better version, better looking version of the Airedale. Um, but they're only bred in Wales, so we're going to have to travel over there to get it. And what's what's the significance of that dog? Because you grew up with those kind of dogs around no. you? <laughs> no. Never, never had that you breed. You like them. Well, Lise is allergic, so we're quite limited on, oh, really? on the breeds that we can have. And She's allergic to dog hemp yeah generally yeah so any hair well not my hair but that's lucky you don't any, have any a lot. animals no, <laughs> no it's going she's probably putting something in my shampoo <laughs> yeah get rid of that yeah um but the the dog doesn't shed its hair so it means that she's not going to be as allergic to it okay um so it meant that we're kind of limited on the choice that we had not that's a bad thing because we do like the welsh terrier breed we've researched and, and looked into it and we're happy with the breed um cool. but it's probably not our first choice if if we had to so mm. well you know i've I've got two dogs yeah so i grew up um in a household which uh, my mum was like cat lady <laughs> just and, and my, my nan was cat lady as well they just love cats like yeah. and you just have like feral feral cats just like roam in and in and around the house how many not, how many not so much have? my mum's but my nan's house was like that. She just used to bring all of the next door neighbors uh, cats to the yard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with her milkshake. <laughs> she's, that, she's that lady. Yeah, <laughs> definitely that lady. Well, she was her nickname the crazy cat lady. On, well, on the estate, she was most probably the crazy Greek lady. But right. the cat thing probably followed yeah. soon thereafter. Probably helped. So my mum kind of picked up that same thing, and yeah. she was never really keen on dogs uh, for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure. Maybe because she just didn't grow up with them. Yeah. So as a result, I grew up without dogs, but I kind of liked them. Whereas Michelle had always grown up in dogs. It was part of her life. So when we got together, like you, right? You haven't got kids. You kind of settle in on a house that you bought together. You know, you start to define your early part of the family. And yeah. the natural extension is like, what can we get to look after? Yeah. Let's get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's always the first first thing you think of, isn't it? And, and dogs are amazing, man. Uh, we've got two. We've, on, we've only ever had the two dogs we have right now, mm-hmm. right? So Snoopy came first, who's a whippet cross with something else. Don't know what. Um, she was cheap. She was the runt of the litter. She was right. the only one left in this little pet shop and we, we picked her up and she was so adorable, a little yeah. alien thing. Was this the white one? You the could... white one with yeah. the big camel bump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple of years later, we got Marley, which is the grey one. Yeah. More slender. He's a thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. Um, got papers and everything. He's a proper whippet. Right. Um, picked him up up north. Like that's how, that's how legit he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to travel. And, um, yeah, we, we've loved having our dogs, but I tell you the thing that is, and maybe it's only us, but we doted on our, our dogs. They were, they used to come with us everywhere we went. Mm-hmm. Whenever we went to someone's house, it'd be like, do you mind if we bring one or at some point both our dogs? Yeah. Whenever I used to go visit my mum, dogs were in the, in the back of the car mm-hmm. every time, every yeah. time. And it's like an hour drive. And we, that was it. And then, you know, we had to be really precious and careful around, you know, how many hours are we going to be away from home? Yeah. Because, you know, they didn't have access to get out. And going on holidays was a ball lake. Then we had kids. And everything changed. Every, everything has changed. Like, they we still love our dogs. Mm-hmm. But they take about 1% of our thoughts. Mm. And you see their flaws 
much quicker <laughs> right. than you did before. And there's a little less love and a little less affection. They're a bit more of just like part of the furniture yeah, now. Yeah, they're just there. Because the focus is our kids, our family and life. Yeah. Um, but that transition is kind of crazy because I remember when we were young and we had Snoopy for the first couple of years, she used to sleep in our bed, man, in between <laughs> us. She was everything. I'm, I actually created a step for her to get up on our divan <laughs> bed because she was that small, she couldn't get up. And she was skinny and cold. So I made this little step so you can just step <laughs> up into our bed. The shit we used to do was ridiculous. And she slept with us for probably a couple of years. She's got probably bigger like, what's and bigger. going on? What's going on? I can't get in your bed anymore. Life has changed. It's become shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to your mum's. But I know that sounds a bit weird, but there's many people that I know that yeah. have, you know, that they kind of extend those barriers. Yeah quite a bit in yeah. terms of what they let their dogs do jump up on the sofa eat off of their plate lick their fucking knives and forks cook them dinners yeah you know all sorts of crazy shit yeah. <laughs> in my mind like we're not cooking our, our dog's dinner Come yeah on. <laughs> um but yeah did you say you've grown up with dogs as well yeah so we've always had um either jack russell's or a sheepdog so border collies okay um absolutely love border collies because they're so they easy to train so much energy and they've got a lot of energy so you do have to take them out for long walks and the endurance and yeah it's just ridic ridiculous in isn't it? well i was um i mean i it was in my younger years when we had the border collie and um it meant that i was going out all the time and i'd go to local woods with my mates and play what we call manhunt and we'd play manhunt for hours on end where we'd basically it's just kind of like hide in, and seek hide and seek where yeah. you climb trees and whatnot act like monkeys but because <laughs> we were doing it for hours i'd take the dog with me and the dog would just be running and running and running and running for apps you know it could be like four hours five hours that we we're out go home nothing obviously be tired but yeah, yeah. Not, it's fine. Not, not, yeah, not, not dead. <laughs> no, exactly. But it's not that much to the dog to, yeah. to do that. Whereas me, I was knackered. Um, Mate, our dogs, right? So they are getting old. One of them's fifteen. Well, that one's a couple of years behind they? them. They're not. No, they're not endurance at all. They're speed, right? So they're sprinters, right? That their their mo is to chase stuff and stop very quickly, they're like leopards, right? Because okay. they look like they're built for like just to run. No, 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 no. It's all about quick bursts, right? Followed by lots of laziness. So think about Usain Bolt. Mm -hmm. That's exactly the, the that's the character. Yeah, you know, he doesn't want to do shit most of his day. Like, yeah. He just wants to chill. Twenty when seconds. It, when, when, it, when it comes when it comes to it, he can run for eight seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. fine. I can do that. Yeah, like, Holy shit, where'd that come that from? That is what whippets are. So what, what they, are they designed for? Or what were they um, brought up to do? Hunt, like catch for it. for rabbits and yeah, yeah, yeah. rats and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and then then you get um, obviously the the bigger ones, the the greyhounds, and yeah. then. Uh, the cross, I can't remember what you call them now. I forget about it, but yeah, the, the cross ones, which are they're, they're typically a little bit more mm -hmm. dexterous and a little bit more endurance. But yeah. generally, these ones are like they're race, you know, race whippets, race yeah. greyhounds, and have them chase rabbits and stuff. So they're <laughs> they're really easy to look after. Like mm -hmm. their their fur's really short. They do shed more than as advertised, <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> but that's probably <laughs> a warm house. Out. Yeah, but um. They run a little bit yeah. when they have to. They have a little, they have a little, like bursts of crazy. <laughs> like you take them out if they've just been cooped up for a few hours a day or so. Take them out for the first minute. They're mental, mm. like fucking mental, <laughs> like like wade, so wading through the wheat and stuff like that, and just going ballistic. And then it's stop. Yeah. And then it's chill for the rest of the day, and they get home and they sleep all day. 
Yeah. I just want to sleep all day long with the every once in a while I'll put some effort in. Uh, easy see, going, I see I I actually find that fascinating when it comes to animals that are like that when they're very quick and explosive, very athletic, yet they sleep so much. But I think it's they're the like bomb, they're preserving man. their energy, they're they're preserving their like central nervous system, they're resting and and recovering and then they go all out for a very short burst and then they about, rest man. and recover. Look at look at whether it be leopards or look even like lions. Yeah. They're not running around like Lazy for like bastards. hours a day. Yeah. They're conserving. Oh, there's something I've got to go get now and I'm going to go have that chase, eat yeah. that and chill. Conserve yeah. my energy, chill. I'm the top of top of the pecking order here. Yeah, ain't got to run up w- away from anything. Mm. Just got to chase stuff when I can be asked. And 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 if it's great, if they can, <laughs> they'll be efficient because they'll get the, the the one at the back, the the one that's injured or the the easiest catch, which obviously makes sense. But they they aren't. Yeah, they they rest a lot more than we realise, and I just think that's because they're just preserving themselves and then when they go all Plus, out yeah, it's just like you know that their, their life is there's adapted. no training there's there's no there's no need for any effort mm. right in my yeah most dogs lives other than the enjoyment of going out for a walk when they get taken out yeah um I, we were hoping now this i'm not a hunter right i do have a hunting jacket <laughs> just because that looks cool and you're, you live <laughs> and i do con- live on a farm you live in the country so you got but, uh, but i don't do any hunting like let's just be clear none of that but when I, when I had my dogs, I'm like, okay, so we've got our dogs. I've now got my like tweed jacket. We're going to go and live in the country. And it'll be kind of cool seeing them catch some stuff. And they do catch some stuff, but it's yeah. by accident more mm-hmm. than anything else. And I don't like it mm-hmm. when they catch a squirrel or a rabbit. I don't like seeing it. I get, I get pissed off. Yeah. But I was hoping they would kind of form this pincer movement vibe where like they would be in sync with one another. And like they'd see a rabbit. One would go left, one would go right, and they'd like corner it. Nah, these dogs are so fucking stupid, <laughs> and especially the the, the proper whippet who hasn't right. been inbred, it hasn't been bred with anything else. He is just so thick, man. He's really, he's really like. What does he do? He's really precious. Mm-hmm. He's got no intelligence whatsoever. He's got no emotional intelligence. Like he really doesn't get anything. He gets uncomfortable when you you cuddle him. He's just really weird and awkward, <laughs> but. He's got no smarts, like from a hunting perspective, other than yeah. his sheer speed. Yeah, which wins more often than not. Mm. But I just assume that they would like be a little pack, like pointers, yeah, how they work together, you know, like, they do. and just hunt around and and I do think the the smaller one, the white one, the older one, I think she was bred by accident with a bit of Jack Russell because mm-hmm. she's got that kind of more sniffing, poking down holes that more kind that of like rat kinda, catcher yeah, type yeah. mentality you can see in her. Whereas the other one is just like all legs and pace. Yeah. And, you know, I will just outpace you, but I won't outsmart you. Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> Brute <laughs> Definitely force and ignorance. Like I remember, so I was in Wales. So my dad lives in Wales and he has a little Jack Russell and um, his house is literally in the middle of nowhere. And there's a few houses down his road um, and all next to each other. And one day his Jack Russell ran down the garden and jumped over the little brick wall and went out into the field in the back. It's just a huge field, nothing around. Um, and we're fine with that. We, you know, he does that all the time. But the neighbours were looking after three greyhounds at the time. And um, we didn't know. And the Jack Russell's running around in this field. And all I saw, to my, I was standing in the garden, all I saw was a flash go, boom, boom, boom. three flashes go past mm. the hedge line. And 
I went, oh crap. Because I knew what was going to happen. They spotted this little white thing in the field. They were trying to chase the yeah. Jack Russell. And they were like, that's obviously a hare or whatever. So they, their natural <laughs> instinct is to go and kill. So just see this Jack flash. Jack Russell's a nippy. Wouldn't they not, did he not give back? Didn't, didn't, no. He just cut, because I think he, it was so quick that the Jack Russell just rolled on his back because it was like submissive. Oh, right. And these okay. dogs, because they just ran, jumped over the fence, all three of them, and <laughs> just, just literally went for this dog. And, and grabbed him and and was literally like a ragdoll just trying to oh, pull, no. pull him apart oh. i ran down i was trying to like grab the dogs and the dog got my hand so oh, really? bit my hand yeah i've got scars all over my hands oh, wow from from greyhounds yeah yeah oh savage but it did he didn't the, the greyhound this is just instinct for them instinct. it isn't it isn't aggression it's just not at all i chase shit that's it, what i do exactly they yeah. thought it was a hare or, or just something yeah. small and they went for it they weren't interested in me whatsoever you just got in the way even in the midst of it yeah it's yeah. just that i was trying to unclamp them and right. i was literally prizing them open and my hand obviously got clamped in one of their jaws it's funny man when 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 dogs click into that instinct like mine no stop they're it. well behaved and they're very, you know, they're great with adults and yeah. kids. Like they they never, ever, ever turned on a human. Mm -hmm. And but as they're getting older, they're getting just a bit like narky, grouchy, and stuff. yeah, because yeah. they don't see as many dogs. So like when dogs get in their way, like yesterday we took them to the forest, they mm -hmm. kind of gave it a little bit. But they're harmless. Mm -hmm. But when they see a flash of a squirrel or a rabbit, it just they, it doesn't matter where they're at, like yeah. mentally. It's game on, man. I'm, 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 They're ready. I've got to go. I've got to go. It doesn't matter what's <laughs> happening. I'm off. <laughs> and they just die, Weird, right? So we could, you know, I just lose him for a couple of minutes. Yeah. And the bit, especially the grey one, he just disappears out into the distance. Yeah. In a few minutes, he'll come back, like, tail between his legs because he hasn't found it or something in his mouth. Yeah. Um, but you can't get in the way of that instinct, man. No, no. You can't, like, in the moment, it would take a lot for me to try and break his yeah. mind yeah. set, you know, his like focus. I can scream at him. It's usually not enough. When he is chasing something, his blinkers are on. He doesn't hear or see anything else. Mm -hmm. That instinct of chase is taken over everything. Yeah, it's almost possessive. It's crazy. And you think, do we have things like that as humans? And we kind of do in similar ways, not as not as pronounced as that. But we have fight or flight response. Yeah. And we respond to everything like that. Some well, people sometimes when people get scared, they they and they let themselves get scared to the point where you can't like if they just bolt. Like sometimes people just bolt, don't they? And they and you can't say anything to them because they're just like it's just their emotions have taken over. Mm. And I think if you can get before that point and get to them, and and when they realise it's not actually More that bad, if they can see, if they can observe their response to things yeah. that aren't stressful and or dangerous or compromising for them. But the instinct is if your ego is getting threatened or your life is getting threatened, I'm going to get on a defense. Yeah. And that's what people do. Like I've had so many arguments, whether it's either been me, had been me or someone else, mm -hmm. respond overly aggressive or overly yeah. abruptly because we feel our egos in question. We feel that we're being attacked or feel vulnerable. Yeah. And you, and, it's your lower brain. It's your kind of like prehistoric brain that has this instinct. Yeah, exactly. Has this evolutionary instinct. Yeah. To deal with danger, but unfortunately, we're we're reframing what danger means. Yeah. And just having a debate with someone now, isn't it? Isn't danger? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It can't see the difference. Mm. You can see your logical brain can see the difference, but yeah. that means that you've got to observe 
your kind of monkey brain and kind of control it. Yeah. And that's difficult in the moment, mm. right? In the heat of the moment, some you you can flare up. I can flare up. Mm. I was known as Mr. Temper as a kid. Were you? Yeah, man. I just had this little thing. I had this really short fuse. Yeah. From like 12 to 16. Michelle would still suggest I still have a short fuse, but <laughs> it gets expressed less and less often. Yeah. But when I feel... Yeah, when, when I feel something is being compromised, my integrity, you're not respecting me, mm-hmm. you know how to respect me and you're choosing to disrespect me, you've got the worst side of me and I can flare quickly. Mm. It's probably my Greek side as you well, You can right? just feel it coming out. Yes. Yeah, it's just the passion of Greek. Like, only way my family know how to communicate is to shout <laughs> at each other. <laughs> you you <laughs> do see that. Like, There's a lot more passion and fire. Like The way people communicate when you go across you know across europe and, and places like that you see like the italians are much more fiery and i've got a friend that's spanish and he's a lot more hot-headed yeah. like he just the way they if that culture if that's culturally how you communicate resolve yeah, yeah. problems and get your point across the loudest person wins typically yeah and that is my family yeah. the loudest most persistent person will win so that's where i i've got my volume yeah my volume comes from that and my my attack response comes from if i don't get aggressive enough quickly enough i will lose this i'll battle. be I'll, I'll be too submissive yeah another person will win and it's not necessarily an attack as in a fight but it's who's gonna be victorious in this argument yeah, and, yeah. and that unfortunately is my downside yeah because it can make me close-minded it can make me it can turn people off if they mm-hmm. see someone if sees when you see me going at you, mm-hmm. it can really close you down. Yeah. And I don't mean to do it, it just kind of flares up, just yeah. like my greyhound when he's or my, my <laughs> uh, no whip it. <laughs> so that's the similarity. Albeit um, well, dog, I think I've dogs, got slightly more like intelligence than Marley. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> dogs are like their owners, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's um enough uh, dog talk. I hope you you get the one you want. Yeah. And um yeah, all, all I will say on the dog thing is holidays and oh, social time is a bit of a situation. Yeah. Both costly, stressy, and when you get a puppy, your house is going to get ripped to shreds. Yeah. So just pre, pre just consider some of those frustrations. Mm. When we were both working and we got Snoopy for a year, our house... We we return to our house being ripped to shreds for a year, and she's not an aggressive yeah. dog like a, you know, like a pit bull or um not pit bull like a boxer. You know the ones that are just like, are just too yeah, yeah, yeah. in on everything. Yeah. But every day we'd yeah. come home to rip carpet, rip beds if we left the door open, rip sheets, rip sofa, um, rip cushions. We couldn't cordon her off into a cage. We didn't want to do that. No. But as a result, we come home. The house was ruined every yeah. day. So just bear that in mind. Yeah, we, this is something we had to consider. We're like, we like to travel, we like to do this and that, and it's a sacrifice we're gonna have to make. But um, yeah, we'll see. You'll work we'll it see. out. Yeah, we'll work it you out. You work it out. It's just to it's be mindful to that that's 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 ahead for sure. <laughs> cool. We wanted to have a chat about um, something that might sound a little bit bro and. Um, a little bit trying to be pop culture not necessarily in line with what adaptation is about, but I think it's relevant, mm-hmm. which is how to get big abs, how yeah. to get shredded, you know, how to get your six pack for summer. 
And um and that's not beer. And it isn't beer. No. No, beer. Yeah. No. So we we decided we should, we'd have a chat about the reality or no, probably let's start with the some of the most common misconceptions on people's instinctive approach to yeah. try and achieve that objective of getting abs or getting shredded for summer, whatever. And then maybe let's hit people up with some yeah. some facts and yeah. some ideas and, tips and coaches. For them to take away, yeah. Should we to do that? Help. Yeah, sure. All right. So I mean where where do you want to start? Uh, the biggest thing that I've seen is when people want to get abs they automatically go to things like crunches and sit-ups and that's their way of getting abs and there's yeah that helps that can can help develop your abs somewhat but there's slightly smarter yet still simple approach that you can take to getting abs um but we just want to cover the the first thing is that that's not the only way to get abs or that's not the most optimal way to get an abs i wouldn't say it's the most important thing no doing loads of crunches but when you think about it popular culture marketing you know gizmos and contraptions i remember those ab crunchers remember those yeah those little machines i had three of them throughout my my what were you doing to him no just as as just as a youngster like you'd go on those like infomercial channels i'll give me one of those (laughs) get some abs what about Um, the ones uh, that you stick on your i had those i've got got some here have you i've got some here yeah the the belt they're horrible where they've got the electrical electrical pulses that kind of make you tense yeah yeah. so i've had all of that shit all of it and i would say that hasn't yet dissipated as a the status quo of ab development is doing shit ton of crunches yeah or use your use those belts yeah it's just what people assume is the mechanism the means of getting abs yeah let's not dismiss it just yet no nope. or give an alternative but mm-hmm. number one is just people go to shit, shit loads of volume as well right so it's not yeah, just yeah. doing ab crunches like you know just on the floor or you know, bicycles or anything that's got that kind of crunch in motion. Yeah. But they also think more is better, as in if I can do 200, 300, 400 yeah. in one go, that means I'm just going to get abs faster. Yeah, and and spend like a whole session on abs because abs aren't, they're not huge muscles, so they just don't need like a whole, a whole hour of bicycles, leg raises, crunches. Um, they just don't need that long yet to develop your abs it just doesn't take that much time and i would say if you can if you can like get out a thousand reps yeah all in of different ab exercises in one session what is that saying it means that it's quite a um high endurance muscle yeah just like i don't know running um is it shows where your high endurance muscles are Mm -hmm. like your calves yeah your calves are built to be high endurance your abs are built to be high endurance therefore offering the stimulus of high endurance to a high endurance muscle isn't necessarily going to be that adaptive mm. because it's used to it. Yeah. Albeit you haven't done that training volume before. Yeah. It's not necessarily the smartest way. So no. loads of volume, loads of crunches. What else? Um, I tend to see, let's say someone's doing sit-ups, for instance, you tend to see that they're not quite focusing on the abs um, and they're using the hip flexors when they're doing things like sit-ups. Crunches are slightly better because crunches, you don't necessarily move from the hips and you're just pulling your rib cage in and you are contracting your abs more. But when it comes to things like just a typical sit-up that you see quite often and quite commonly in gyms um, and 
leg raises as well that can be they can be quite hip flexor dominant especially if done done in a way mm. which is kind of disengaging the core and over relying yeah it's all about the technique lower back, right? yeah but you can drive most of that activity through through, through your hip, hip flexors hips, yeah. yeah and 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 the thing is we use a hip flexors all day when we're sitting down if we if we're at a desk so we're working on hip flexors i mean the aim isn't to work the the hip flexors the aim is to work the abs if you want to develop your abs right mm. so it's just making sure that that we're developing the abs when we're doing the sit-up so doing it very uh doing the movement so it's very deliberate so that we're working the right area and not the wrong area i also think and i don't know if it's chicken or egg here but there just seems to be a significant amount of marketing and products mm -hmm. that are targeted towards getting abs yeah i mean and it's 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 pulling on that kind of those human needs for people to think okay abs equals Health healthy and athleticism sexiness and guys want most guys want abs and therefore i'm just gonna i'm gonna show you some abs in a little picture and i'm gonna say get rock hard abs get shredded abs follow this mm. and it's what some exercises or maybe it's some special diet or it's a yep. supplement that's going to get you abs i'm like come on but is it it's chicken or egg? i don't know whether it's chicken or egg like mm. is are the marketers responding the to the need that? yeah yeah and is the need enough to support the level of marketing there is like are people buying this shit mm. or they must be because otherwise you'd think like well stop stop doing this marketing Big stop market, doing this yeah. like really salesy overhyped overpromised marketing if there's no demand, but it must be demand and people must be clicking and buying. Yeah. They must be. Yeah. And and they're not touching on the fact that it takes quite a bit of sacrifice in order to to get abs. But I think I do I so I know what you're saying because you're saying do we chase this goal of getting abs because the industry's pushing it and it was marketing abs, 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 or are we or is it that we are just we like the look of abs. Naturally we just are um uh, mesmerized by someone with a good set of abs right if you i think that's always kind of the ultimate goal isn't it with most people is i want abs you look at a physique and someone can have a good physique with no abs and the physique doesn't look as good as when they do have abs because abs is kind of the I, almost the be all and end all I, I i try and look beyond that but i don't yeah but you know that that's the reality i it is it's the definition of a good physique if um if you're jacked but you've got a yeah. flat stomach with no definition you kind of just it's a bit it's a bit bland isn't it yeah you kind of want to see them popping out right so and that's but that's more, probably more of a guy thing than it is a girl thing and I've, yeah. I've heard that so many times yeah that what guys find sexy and what they assume will be sexy for women isn't necessarily what women want no women don't necessarily want this super chiseled you know specimen of a man because for many reasons and i'm not even going to speculate what they are but more often than not i hear women say i don't actually find that attractive yeah. or i find that too egotistical or that would be too hard not hard to, nice to cuddle up to yeah. or whatever number of reasons but it's quite funny how we have a distorted view of like men what men think women want and yeah. what women actually want yeah 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 that, that's so true so we always go 
if we get six pack abs, we can have all the ladies. Whereas actually, you get abs and then all like, oh, I don't like the rock hard. It turns abs. out your personality yeah, is a bit yeah. more is more important than you exactly. know the quality of your abs, right? <laughs> yeah. If only you could focus the time and attention on <laughs> reading and developing your character, so yeah. you can you know chat up women better <laughs> and just be more comfortable in yourself and you know give compliments genuinely. It's probably going to get you well, you know more dates and you know better relationships than whether your abs are visible or not well you've all, we've all seen it on a night out where the, the funny guy gets the girl and and time you and think, time again and, and you're like what is he how how and then you see the guy that's like you know wearing his tight t-shirt and is built standing who, in the who, corner of the who one doesn't have the social skills to engage yeah is a bit too in his own head about his own ego and women don't want to connect with someone who's either vulnerable hasn't got a confidence to yeah. connect with them and or is all about himself how many times I've seen that when I go out clubbing well, and bars? You see standing there almost as if I, I'm waiting for someone gonna, to. You're going to approach me yes. because I I look good. I've been to the gym. I'm going to attract all the ladies, but actually the the guy that actually approaches them that that doesn't Someone's really a bit more comfortable. Yeah, just comfortable. Doesn't really give a shit. Kind of takes takes himself less seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, <laughs> I like abs. Yeah. Right. And and it's and reason, yeah. And having having a having a good physique is important to me as we've said before it's not it's not in pursuit of the physique because i want the physique and that's the, the definition of both arriving and success and mm -hmm. happiness it isn't it's part of all the things i want yeah. to be able to manage and control and, and have the goals, best right? version of and yeah. i want to have my best version of me and i want to i want to push the limits of what that can be naturally yeah so i i have an interest an active interest and a desire to build my physique and abs is part of them mm -hmm. so let's now talk about maybe now let's talk about if we can a priority priority ordered mm -hmm. set of things that would be things to focus on yeah some of which are going to be similar to what we've just said but they're going to be different in yeah. the in intent yeah number one mm -hmm. and i think we both it's unanimous the world over anyone who knows is diet when it comes to abs yeah diet and leanness shits over ab development mm -hmm. all day long i'm not saying ab development isn't important we'll get yeah. to that in a second but if you are not appropriately lean it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter and people say oh yeah if you're developing your abs you'll get abs through your fat and yeah you will but it it won't either won't be noticed or it won't look particularly pleasant yeah what's going to look nice is once you shred down and those numbers are i'd say kind of like looking at a lot of physiques about 14 percent 14 one on a guy mm -hmm. still holding a bit too much weight to be you know quote unquote super sexy on the kind of svelte ab front mm -hmm. but by about 14 percent, you're starting to see some shape you're starting to see maybe the yeah. tops of the abs yeah you're starting to see that there's something behind there mm -hmm. when you approach more like 10 percent, you're going to see them you're yeah. going to see them especially with a bit of good lighting right lighting's really important down lighting <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know you just come out of the shower you're wet and there's lighting at the right place down lighting yourself and in the mirror it's like, whoa check that out <laughs> yeah but... and then you pat yourself dry and go in broad daylight and they've gone like what yeah, the fuck man <laughs> lighting is so critical it but is. from about 10 percent is where they really start to go this person's got abs yeah but if you want abs abs if you want to look like the kind of guys on instagram you're gonna have to get to a level that for most people is incredibly difficult to arrive at which yeah. is more the eight to six even five percent and do you know what it's unhealthy to be at that 
mm-hmm. percentage level. But if you want those, if you want those dry abs, that mm. like a bodybuilder would, would yeah, have. where they've got that, they like call it suction. dryness, yeah, that dryness. Like they don't have any kind of wetness to their kind of skin. It mm-hmm. just looks like sucked into the muscles. You even see the the veins, like yeah. which I don't like. No, but if you want that kind of look, you need to be paper thin, and that's probably. You know, that's like the six percent mark or lower, and that's that long term is very hard to sustain. It feels like shit to get there. Yeah, and I mean, if, if the, the the problem is right, is that people will see bodybuilders step on stage, and if you do like that look, and you're like, look, look at his well defined abs. Um, the, the problem with that is that they're only like that for three for days of the second. year. Yeah. yeah, they might have abs all year round, but they might not be quite as defined. But it's knowing that having really defined abs with that you know really suction dry look that's that takes a lot of work a lot of time a lot of a lot of sacrifice and actually having that all the time is quite unrealistic and i will say you know and this burst in people's bubble to an extent but my abs on one day to the next depending on lighting yeah and general moisture on my skin and you know, Stuff like that. Holding. that that can yeah. make a big difference alone i know mine can look like i don't have any to have pretty good set yep. of abs from one day to the next depending on lighting so yep. you start you take it one step further and you think about bronzes you know if you're stepping on stage mm-hmm. you think about you know purposeful dehydration for a couple of days leading up to yep. your your comp- competition you think about the guys who do photo shoots that have got like you know oil over them and that they've they've been they you know amped up the clarity and all the kind of photoshop effects afterwards to really bring in that effect it do not discount lighting, grease, and post-production yeah. as a means to you see the things you see on Instagram today. Mm. The reality is, even the guys that you see that have the best abs, if you caught them on just a summer's day, yeah. whipping their top off to go work in the garden, you would be hugely disappointed mm. because... You know they're tight in, they're bracing, they're keeping it tight. They've got the oil, they've got the bronzing, Lighting. they've got the post production yeah. stuff, and they've got a lot. They don't have that when they're just doing the gardening. Mm. So you kind of have to go. Do you know what? A lot of what you see is always going to be inaccessible unless you're in a photo shoot. Well, that... But you can get a really nice looking body with a good set of abs at around about eight percent mark is well, I think the sweet spot. Yeah. But that does take some effort. Yeah. And I I mean, this is why you don't, when you're on a beach and you see everyone with their tops off, you don't actually see, it's very rare that you see someone with a well-defined, developed um, set of six-pack abs. You just don't see it that often. You do see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's just understanding that that is not necessarily sustainable. However, like you said, the 10%, well, sorry, the 8% mark is kind of that sweet spot where you could probably live with the lifestyle that will let you be at eight percent yeah i think um, once you get there if you if you control your your calories yeah uh so your main you're, you're purposely maintaining that because any any swings will get you out of that that look yeah so you kind of have to get there and then manage yeah your calories but you can get to eight percent and stay there all year round it's i, I don't think and i know because i listen to a lot of people you know bodybuilders and stuff talking on podcasts and they yeah. can't stay at the six percent mark they can't 
Your body just doesn't want to be there. They just don't want to be it. Hormones are fucked. Like they're constantly hungry. They're moody. They're depressed. There's a lot of stuff going on at that kind of leanness. Your body mm-hmm. doesn't want to be that lean. It yeah. wants to hold on to some weight. Yeah. So 10% your body, I think, is really achievable for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to, if you want to go to town, 8%. Right. So what does this mean? This means you've got a diet. Right. You have to purposefully lose weight. And I would start there. I would start there. I'm, I'm by, no, by all means train, and we highly recommend training, right? Yep. Shrimp training, compound lifting, generally getting in the gym and working your muscles. Absolutely. But a, a, the it, definition of your abs is not going to be defined by how many sit ups you do. you train them, yeah. It's going to be defined by how little fat you are holding. Yeah. As like an eight, the 80% rule 80% diet, 20%. Ab development. Well, you've got to be able to see them. And and that's where the saying abs are made in the kitchen. That's where that saying comes from. Um, although that's thrown around a lot, I just don't think that there's... Uh, People don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. And and, and that's because the nutrition, the dieting side is, a load of weight. Yeah, is yeah. the harder side. Doing crunches isn't. But like you're saying there is um, most of your effort. Where, are you, where can you put 20% of the effort that's going to give you 8% of the results? And that is in the kitchen. Well, yeah, but you can't, yes and no. It is, it is 80% of the effort. Let's, let, don't it get is, me wrong. Yeah, it, is, it is most of the work and it's the hardest and mentally and emotionally. And for all those reasons, losing weight, mm. the long game of dieting is hard for a lot of people, yeah. especially if you've got food addictions and stuff like that. It, it ain't easy. Mm. But if you want abs and you're hell bent on getting abs, or maybe you accept, I can't get abs because I'm not willing to take, take the hit on the diet. On, on over the next three, six, nine months yeah. to get to the point I need to get to. That's fine yeah. too. But if you want it, let's not s- stop buying those ab apps, yeah. those abs in 30-day programs, those abs in 90-day programs where you just do ab exercises for yeah. 90 days and expect but that's, a different That's the result. thing. That's where people put 80% of their effort where they get 20% results. Yeah, they put 80% okay. of their effort into yeah. to like the apps and, and spending money on all of these things and you know like the, the machines and everything. And they only get twenty percent result. Whereas if you can flip that on its head, um, although the twenty percent is not to make it sound easy or like it, you're not putting in much effort. You get but the biggest that's bang you're going to get biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. You're going to get eighty no, percent of the results. Um, the last sure. thing on leanness, yeah. which is a small, a small quick way for listeners to get a sense of this, is mm-hmm. take a pinch of your 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 belly fat, basically. Pinch your fat. Yeah, pinch your fat. Like obviously, body calipers are the way to go, and you can actually get a body fat percentage. And we talk about percentages of fourteen down yeah. to ten, and ideally eight percent if you want to get the kind of look you're after. But if you haven't got calipers, or you don't really care about it, or you know, <laughs> you know, you know, we're near that number, yeah. so there's no point. But to get a sense of where you need to get to, like I'm currently about ten to eleven percent body fat, and I can see my abs, but. In poor lighting, you can't. Mm. If, I, if I'm in the right position, you can see them. You can see them well. I've got defined abs, but I do need the conditions to be right. <laughs> the, the, the bathroom is always, is, is always a good place. It's always, yeah, it's always the <laughs> It's always the winner. But um, if I pinch my belly fat yeah. just to the left or right of my belly button, mm-hmm. and I take like a, an inch, like a couple of inches, and I see how much is between my fingers, yeah. I'm about eight to nine millimeters. Mm-hmm. Right, so under a centimeter in overall kind of fat that's in between my fingers at a reasonable kind of pinch pressure. Yeah. 
if you're much higher than that, you kind of get a sense of where you need to be. If you're anywhere lower than that, you're going to have better abs than me. And that's basically it, right? You get a pinch and it's any more than a centimeter, you're definitely not going to see your abs. Just just to be clear, is that when you're standing? Because if yeah. you do it sitting, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's unfair. No, <laughs> like, holy shit. Stand up, stand up and to the just to the left or right of yeah. your belly button and do it um, vertically, yeah. a vertical pinch as opposed to a horizontal pinch. Yeah, course, yeah. So going up to down mm -hmm. and see what you can grab. Start from about two inches away, thumb to finger, and then pinch together mm -hmm. and see what's left yeah eight to nine mil you can see your abs anything more you're going to see if you're just a couple of mil more you'll see some shape but you won't really see much more no you'll see where they are as mm. opposed to them exactly okay so that's that's the key thing around diet and leanness then there's actually a little a little kind of sideline mm. which is quick wins that don't involve diet at all and you actually mentioned this before we got on the on the mics, and I thought they're worth yeah. talking about. You want to quickly talk about a couple of things that make a big difference, just in terms of how people can look. Yeah. So uh, more often than not, I see this in guys when they have poor posture and they're slouching, shoulders um, rounded forwards. They have an anterior pelvic tilt where their pelvis is rolled forwards. They're sticking their belly out, and then they're just slouching, and they're, they're, they're just the belly's just protruding out, and sticking out. Mm -hmm. And they say, I want to lose this, I want to lose this. And they're pointing to their belly. And then you say, okay, well, roll your hips back. And in order to posteriorly tilt your hips. I, tighten your glutes. Yep, tighten your glutes. And you have to shorten your abs. You have to tighten your abs and pin your shoulders back and stand tall. Almost immediately, you can see that the belly just, it just pulls up and, and, and you're just not slouching flatter. as much. And your it's belly's immediately flatter, flatter, isn't it? Immediately. Yeah. Um, and it just, I know it sounds kind of almost too good to be true, but try it if, if you do notice yourself slouching and stand up tall you can see a noticeable difference pretty quickly and actually you're not as overweight as you think you are sometimes okay. it is just due to bad posture i i, I agree posture is massive mm. and it was something i i didn't really it was something i assumed that is hereditary and genetic like mm -hmm. my posture is my posture yeah it's how my bones were put together you know i've got a hunch it is what it is whatever and as I started working with you and as I started kind of paying attention to how to perform my exercises, I realized posture is the difference between one, getting hurt and, and yeah. doing it safely and being stronger. Yeah. So I all of a sudden started giving a shit about posture and started doing posture correction work and rehab mm -hmm. work to correct some of the systemic issues of, of basically chronically being in a wrong position all my life and yeah. having to kind of retrain my my pelvis retrain my upper back to kind of be flatter and you can do it i've seen my posture, posture not right now because i'm slouching hmm. but generally speaking i'm more mindful of it and i self-correct it to the point now that my shoulders generally are more pinned back mm -hmm. my pelvis generally is slightly more um tilt, uh, you know tilted backwards yeah I'm losing some of the um, overextension of my lower back. And yeah, I, I think I look better as a result of holding my body better, just yeah. generally all over. But as you say, your, your stomach does lie a little flatter as well. well if, if you think about it, if you're, if you're, um, if you're, if you've got poor posture, usually you've got weak abs, usually. Um, and if you got, if that muscle's weak, it's usually in a stretched position. So if you shorten that muscle and it it contracts and shortens it, you just you'll notice it just goes flatter. Um, and when you That's stand a nice up, quick tool, tip. It just 
pulls you back. And so we, we you know that, right? We know if you if you tighten your abs, they look better than not. But it's hard to stay tightened all year, you know, all all day long. Yeah. But you're talking about something which is more um like in the background. It's yeah. making some corrections where it's like twenty percent of effort. You're not mm-hmm. like, like squeezing the hell out of all the muscles in your body. You're just trying to correct some yeah. positions such that if you can retrain your body how to stand, you'll look a lot better for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the other one was I say bloating. It it could be bloating or it could be I mean when I fast or when I did a fast before, um, I noticed after probably about 24 hours when I don't really have much food left in me um, or not the volume that I would normally have, my stomach just becomes tighter and flatter. Um, and as you said, it's not necessarily more defined. Like you're not you're not actually seeing your abs more. Your belly's just becoming flatter than it was. And it's not, again, it's not also that you've lost weight. It's just that you're not as bloated and there's not as much outward pressure on your, on your abs. So as soon as I kind of starts getting past, sucked in because yeah. you feel that when you haven't eaten for a while, exactly. things start to kind of vacuum in. Mm, yeah. yeah. And then after 24 hour period, I just started to see this flattening of my stomach and it just felt, I just felt stronger and it felt nicer and it looked better. Um, we're so, not recommending people never eat though to achieve that. No, though. but what I'd be mindful <laughs> of is that, often people think they're carrying more weight around their visceral area when actually they might have, it might just be due to poor posture and then they might be bloated for whatever reason. And, and that, that could be food selection, not food just food selection. Volume. Exactly. Yeah. Um, foods that are causing inflammation and all sorts. So this is where things worth considering and thinking about. Um, that and they're, 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 they're relatively quick wins, aren't they? Yeah. Correcting your posture in the moment is easy. Correcting it longer term requires some commitment. Yeah bloating is something that you should always try to remove just because bloating is a sign that your your belly's upset yeah so if you find a way you know like bread for instance if you eat bread and you always feel bloated afterwards then maybe you need to course correct take them out and you might feel better Alrighty. okay so that's diet uh mostly the second most important now now we're going to talk about the muscles themselves so the second most important and it's not often understood when it comes to abs i find it weird that a lot of people including me until i was educated Mm -hmm. treated abs as this like separate set of muscles that don't obey any of the other rules of training yeah do you know what i mean yeah almost seems separate yeah if i want to if i want to develop my my you know my pecs whatever it is i'm gonna have to do heavy lifting and i'm gonna have to get heavy heavier weights through time i you know have to keep lifting more and, you know, I can't bench press every single day because I'm going to be sore. So I've got to like, space my workouts out. You kind of instinctively get to that point relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I used to train, I used to train my abs every single day. And I just used to sh- do a shit ton of volume just because I thought that's what you do. I do yeah. like a 20 minute ab finisher every day. And I almost felt that they don't get burnt out and they don't need time to recover and they don't need extra stimulus they just need lots of work and the more i've began to realize it the more you look at bodybuilders and people that are deliberately sculpting their body that isn't true what they're doing and it depends if you look at a bodybuilder versus say a powerlifter they have very different physiques very different physiques but their core development their ab development is being managed predominantly through progressive overload which is increasing the resistance 
through time mm-hmm. in work you do to develop those muscles. Yeah. As opposed to just doing lots of reps. And I'll just do a hundred, I'll now do 120 ab crunches and I'll do three sets of those of 30 seconds of rest. And then I'll do a hundred bicycle kicks and then I'll do some leg raises and then I'll do, you know, this, that and other, and then I'll do a plank. And you just like think, okay, if I just superset eight different exercises in 20, in a 20 minute, 20 minute window with no rest, Mm. you think that's going to build rock hard abs. And it does. I mean, you do feel that your abs are switched on if you work at that level. Yeah. But if you want, and here's the thing, if you just lose weight, you're going to see abs. Mm -hmm. Problem is, if you imagine like a 12-year-old kid, boy, who's holding no weight, you'll see not just their abs, you'll see their muscle fibers in their pecs, and you'll see see everything. And and some boys can look pretty, like, strong, and um, you can, quote, unquote, they look big. They're not big. They're just, you can see everything they've got. Well, when I, when I was probably about 14 through to 16, I had a really well-defined abs. They weren't like big, but they were, I was just skinny. I was just a skinny lad. Because you were skinny. I was skinny. and it Everyone's was a, like, Bryn's got abs. And you're, you must have a strong core. And that was not the case. It was just because I just had low level body fat yes. and I was just a skinny young lad. And if you think about the physique of a 10, 11 or 12 year old boy who hasn't yet fully developed, right? Clearly. Mm-hmm. And you can see his abs, but his abs are not necessarily very, quote-unquote, bulbous. Mm. They're not brick-like. They're just there. You can yeah. see them. You can see the definition of, but they're, you know, they're, they're not, like, bulging out. No. Now, if you want to have the kind of abs that you see on social media that do have that that kind of 3D-ness, they've mm. got those kind of bulky brick-like six bricks yeah, on yeah. their stomach, that's going to require you to train them like any other muscle. Mm. It's going to require you to develop them yeah. for hypertrophy to occur. And that, for me, is the key thing. So when you do shit ton of volume, uh, sorry, shit ton of reps on your abs, as we've just described, that really is supporting muscle endurance, mm-hmm. which you never really want to do if you want to develop for muscle growth. Yeah. Because the more you train your body to adapt to doing more and more volume, sorry, more and more reps consecutively, the more you're training for muscle endurance. And as you do that, your body instinctively wants to find shortcuts to make it easier and more efficient to do that movement for the extended time you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Just like running. As you continue to get better at running, it makes you more efficient, you lose muscle mass. It is what happens every time. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to lose muscle mass, but instead want to develop it, stop thinking about 50, 60, 70, 80 reps at a go with no rest now start thinking about you know 15 to 20 reps in the hypertrophy range think about a minute or so gap between it and let's put some weight on these exercises or at least let's increase the relative difficulty mm-hmm. such that when you're turning up week after week you're finding a way to make it harder mm. and it's making it harder through increased resistance which is going to force your body to develop new muscle tissue and fibers which in turn will create the thickness and the the lumpiness of the yeah. abs that you're looking for. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And and you touched on the 15 to 20 rep range, which the reason we, we would go for that kind of higher, slightly higher rep range when we're talking about hypertrophy is that, as you said earlier, your abs are 
more designed towards the endurance side, but you don't necessarily want to train it for endurance. You want to train it for hypertrophy. Mm. Um, so they tend to respond better with the slightly higher reps. But yeah. not going You're not going to do hundreds. one rep maxes on cable crunches. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, you could, but what's the point? <laughs> now, you need, you need to get some reps out, right? You're not doing like... I don't know, like I do four to six reps on on bench for pure strength development. Yeah. It doesn't really add the same value trying to do four to six reps because abs, yeah. what ends up happening is you can't do even one rep mm. because to get to that level of weight, you struggle to kind of thread that needle. So yeah. instead, aim for the higher volume, at least eight, but I would say get more into the 12 range or maybe slightly higher. Yeah. You're not going beyond 20, that's for sure. So you're keeping mm. within that, say, 10 to 20 range. Sure. And you adding a bit of rest but you're making it hard so you're not doing 20 thinking you could have done 70 but you only done 20 mm -hmm. you're choosing the exercise selection and the weight accordingly such that you can only do 20 yeah. or 15 or whatever you decide so progressive overload like everything else we talk about on adaptation is critical to hypertrophy aka muscle development you have to find ways of making uh, increasing the volume for increasing the difficulty and demanding more from the body so it grows yeah it's got to fight need to know it in, needs increased strength and you're going to develop that for increasing weight however and i will say you might be thinking how do i weight up a crunch mm. yeah so what before we talk about core based exercise because i think that'll be the next discussion what would you consider means of making ab isolation work more difficult so first thing i would do is master body weight exercises so that you can feel that you're so for you you're used to working your abs you can go to weighted exercises that are going to add resistance and you're going to feel your abs and you, you know how to target the area if you don't quite yet know how to target your abs um i would work on things like crunches and uh, leg raises and do it deliberate and in a controlled manner that you can really start to contract and feel your abs working then so don't try and go really fast and get loads of reps out go slow yeah and and feel the the, the tension really where you want to be feeling up. it yeah and not okay. not just bending through the hips you're actually pulling and bringing your rib cage to your, pelvis, to your pelvis so that you're okay. shortening the abs um when and, I, and I'd recommend doing that with body weight first just because it's slightly easier to do that. That could be a, a reasonable advancement from yeah. mindlessly doing loads of bicycle kicks, right? Going yeah, from that to exactly. deliberately getting on a Swiss ball and doing some yep. crunches, crunches slowly, bringing the pelvis and the ribcage together and really feeling that squeeze. Yeah. That's progression in its own For right. For sure, exactly. But at some point, that does yeah. have a limit. Yeah, it has a limit. I, I mean, you can still develop that in some ways because if you're doing, like, let's say, a Swiss ball crunch or... or or um, sit well crunch you could eventually progress the resistance by bringing your arms over your head so that your the weight is behind you so you can increase that. In the, yeah the le lever the lever and then you can add weight to you holding a, a plate or, or dumbbells yeah to that. okay that's one then way you can start doing yeah. that so that's one way of doing it and then you can start working on things like cable crunches um as you've done where you you hold the cable as you're performing a crunch that just gives you that just allows you a greater degree of resistance because you can add much more weight to it and you can you're not limited by what's the maximum plate you can hold yeah right because like when when you think about weighting i don't know a um 
you know, like those GH yeah. or, or the, the other machines where you can kind of do like a, a more extended ab crunch and yeah. your back isn't got any anything underneath it so you yeah. can hold a plate and you can lift yourself up yeah. is that the ghds ghds yeah you see them a lot in the crossfit world crossfit stuff and yeah. they, you might hold a plate across your chest yeah and that's great so you can load up a 20k plate on your chest mm -hmm. what about when you want to get when that's not enough yeah so i definitely definitely can progress those kind of things with a plate yeah. or a or a dumbbell or a, or a kettlebell but at Cables, some at yeah. some point uh, sorry not cables uh, resistant bands are great resistant as well. bands, yeah, yeah. But yeah. at some point, and this will be a while, but mm -hmm. after some point, that will feel like, okay, I've, I've reached my limit. I can get to a rep range that's reasonable. I can use a weight which I can hold, but now I can't hold anything heavier. Mm -hmm. That's where I think things like cable crunches, sure. they now take it to the next level where you can go really, really heavy, much yeah. beyond your capacity. Yeah. And you can actually progressively overload in a measured way. Exactly. And, and I would choose to work on, so let's say you're doing crunches, you're going to work... Uh, your rectus abdominis, you, you know, your main, um, uh, you're going to work your abs and you want to also work on leg raises and things like that where you work your lower abs. Um, hanging leg raises are pretty cool. leg raises, knee so raises. So that's when you're hanging on to a chin-up bar and you're bringing your knees or your legs up yeah. towards your chest. Yeah, and you can um, place a weight in between your feet eventually or, yeah. or between your that's knees. That's difficult. So, yeah, exactly. So yeah. There's, many, there's many different ways of which and how you can do it. Um, but yeah, adding resistance is, is a good way of overloading over time. So, so then just the, as a, as a finer point to that, let's make sure that if you're wanting to develop your abs and your core purpose, be purposeful and progressive overload. Mm -hmm. And that means you're going to probably have to track your workout. So then you know what you've done last week, yeah, the week after sure. the week before, and you're finding a mechanism to do more volume. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that really nails it. We've spoken about progressive overload a number of times, but let's be purposeful in increasing the demand on those muscles through time, not just through the number of reps you do, because yeah. they are an endurance type muscle fiber. So you're yeah. going to need to do hypertrophy work at the hyper hypertrophy rep range yeah and and okay. if you it's not the end of the world if you do go higher or if you do go lower um but just for optimal range yeah for sure okay all right so that's um progressive overload and kind of weighted really to help develop the kind of 3d brickness of the yeah. the, the, the six-pack abs let's talk about this interchangeable language between core and abs are yeah. they the same thing so core is thrown around a lot like people say you know i want to i want a well-defined core but we what is what, what's what does core mean well core are usually the core muscles that help to support the the spine um so that could be anything from your from your abs to your obliques could be your glutes your lats um your lower back spinae erecta yeah yep. all, all the muscles that are going to be supporting your your spine so if you're wanting a well-defined set of abs, that's not ne necessarily the way you want to go. You don't want to look to to develop your core, although there are muscles there that will help make your abs look better. Um, but I would just understand and, and just see the difference between core and abs because abs are obviously your abs, and that's where most people want to develop. Um, so, yeah, just keep... But I, I think an athletic and sexy look is the consideration of the whole of piece. all of it definitely so yeah. you've got good posture you've got good abs mm -hmm. you've got stronger bleeps which are those kind of like they're, they're fuck me lines are they called yeah it, i think yeah, they're called the, fuck me the lines but they point towards yeah. it <laughs> so that you want a bit of that right just above the the hips right yeah. that can look pretty cool 
and that's your obliques. You're going to have to develop those, but not overdevelop them. Yeah. Right? And there's a, a fine line well, with those. If you look at CrossFitters, what do they have? They they really, usually have a really thicker fit, waist. Yeah. They have really big obliques just from from all the just solid compound movements that they do all the time. So yeah. So core versus abs. When we talk about as you bucket types of exercise, how would you how would you reference core versus ab exercises? What would you call them generally? Um, so if I understand what you're saying, so you're you're saying how would I group exercises that are for abs and group exercises that are for core? Yeah, and I know abs are part of core. Yeah. Uh, it's a leading question. Let, let me start this up. Mm -hmm. um, but when I think of core, which is everything around the trunk yeah. being developed in unison, yeah. which I think has more functional benefit than just having tight abs, which will probably fuck up my posture if I don't develop my back yeah. as well, right? It'll just kind of hunch me up if yeah. I get yeah, overdeveloped yeah. my abs. So I want a, a fully developed trunk because that's going to give me a strong look. And this is where you see athletes work in their core and they never just focus solely on abs unless they have a weakness there and they need to isolate it. But yeah, core is definitely... The whole piece. The, the whole, whole piece. piece. So for core... And I could be wrong, but for me, in my mind, I think isometric, which is squeezing and bracing type mm -hmm. activities, as well as twisting, yeah, weighted twisting activities for more overall core development. Yeah. And then when I think about abs, I think about isolation work, and that's where I then go back to this kind of crunching legs to chest Flexion, type motion extension, yeah would you agree would you say core is more isometric yeah. and twisting in nature yeah so you uh, if you're in the sports world you'd probably hear um, coaches talk about uh, anti-rotation versus rotation exercises all right okay. so anti-rotation um let's say you're doing uh, like a pal-off press a pal-off press is where you you would press the cable if you're at the cable machine you press the cable machine out in front of you you have a sideways force that's trying to rotate your body and you're, so preventing, you're, that you're preventing that movement so you're isometrically holding and you're squeezing your glutes your abs your lats everything's kind of working together in order to stop you from rotating mm -hmm. but then you might have a very similar movement to the panoff press with a rotation so you might have something like wood chops for instance so it's the same you have the cable but now you're trying to actively twist and and move that cable across your body plane, yeah. in a lateral plane um coming cr across diagonally where but you're going to work your muscles to help you rotate but you're still trying to stabilize and not you know damage the spine so yeah. all the muscles are working and then other there. isometric stuff is just generally like arc, arc, Plank, arc planks right anti extension and you have um anti flexion so yeah you've got a plank you've got the dish hold like hollow body some people yeah, know yeah. that as yeah yeah anything so. that's kind of holding and having you to actively squeeze those muscles either yeah. in a uh, kind of static fashion or yeah. as you say anti-rotation or purposely rotating like yeah. landmine rotations yeah. right when you're holding the barbell on a landmine mm -hmm. a device and you kind of turn it side to side it's those kind of motions that are helping to develop everything. Yes. You know, the, yeah. the inner obliques, not just mm -hmm. the stuff that you see in the mirror. And yeah. that helps, you know, build structure and it makes it look good. So I would say core versus abs. Think about that. Let's not just obsess about the isolation mm. work. Let's think about this isometric holding work, which then leads me to what would be the final point, mm -hmm. which is compound lifting. So what is that? That's squat, deadlift bench press, overhead press, it's stuff that requires you to lift heavy load and actively work all your body in, yeah. in unison. 
I found through doing compound lifting that I don't really need to do much purposeful ab work. My abs and my core are plenty strong and developed mm -hmm. as a result of all the bracing yeah. that I need to do. Like the bracing I need to do when I've got 150K on my back or the bracing when I have to lift 180K barbell. Like everything needs to be switched on isometrically and then through motion a number of times. That for me, for the most part, is ab development 101 that's done i eat well i do those compound lifts i don't really do much else mm -hmm. now some people in some camps will say don't bother doing any abit isolation it's quite a common argument whatsoever yeah i think some is worth it yeah because i do think like i, I develop my my arm muscles through doing compound lifting my, my biceps but i don't develop them to the degree i want to so i do isolation Additional work on my biceps i do yeah. bicep curls yeah I develop my core through doing all my compound lifts mm -hmm. and that should be a foundation of your training program. But because I've got some specific goals on how I want them to look, I do some extra isolation work, which will be isometric anti-rotation and a little bit of crunches, but it's really small part of my training mm. program. Yeah. Would you agree? Definitely. I think, um, it, it, it does depend on your goal, but if your goal is to develop your abs and develop your abs, so I, you know, isolate them and work them as well as your um, compound lifting. So cool. I, I think we've covered it, right? We've covered yep. diet, we've covered leanness, we've covered some tips on bloating and posture. We spoke about the need for progressive overload if you actually want to develop the muscles once you're lean. Yeah. We've spoken about the need to focus on the core, not just the abs themselves. And you do that mm -hmm. through isometric and twisting work. And then lastly, if you've got a program built strongly around compound lifting, for the most part, your bases are covered. But some isolation work can help round out the edges. For sure. Great, Bryn. Thank you for your time, man. Thanks for having me on. Great as always. And guys, Adapt Nation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. Thank you. Cheers, guys. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.